Princess Leia was the first girl I liked at four years old at a time when girls were gross. She was my first crush when I didn't understand why I had a crush. And later, when I did understand what a crush was, it was a combination of things. Sure, I was attracted to her beauty, but more to her presence. She could hang with the boys. She wasn't a damsel in distress. And when they originally saved the princess in Star Wars, her first line to Luke is, Aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? Right away, she was a force to be reckoned with. She didn't wait to be properly escorted from the Death Star. She joined the fight, a fight she believed in. She never took shit from anybody, especially Han, and was the only person to be able to shut him up and put him in his place. That's a strong woman. That's a role model. That was a perfect woman to me, but it was just a character, right? No, that was Carrie Fisher. Despite the fact that she was playing a princess, she set the bar for a heroine in film that will stand the test of time. She wasn't a princess, she was a queen, and she will forever be the matriarch of all geekdom that embodies the ideals that all women, and even men, should aspire to. Yes, she was typecast as Princess Leia, but Carrie Fisher lived her life embracing it when she realized what she meant to a legion of young girls aspiring to be just that. The Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and tech to WWE and video games. Come let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. And this is episode number 17, and I am your host, Nick Howell. With me, as always, the affable Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I'm affable, apparently. Affable. I'm a bit under the weather. My voice sounds a little bit different, and that's not a mic thing. It's just the way it is. Um, uh, no, no, you can blame it on the mic. It's no, actually, no, you're no, using no, no, a backup no. mic no, this I would, week. I would never blame it on technology. <laughs> this, is, uh, this, is, this is me uh, uh, recovering from a little bit of a sickness, but I'm back. I would never miss a game. Here we go. With the Stone Cold Salute! I said give me a hell yeah! Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So good. It was Christmas last weekend. It was. We we talked about it last week of what we were planning to do and what we were looking forward to and all of those good things, but how did it turn out for you? It turned out great for me, but like at my house, uh, the (laughs) girls are very happy Uh, with the the millions of boxes that ended up under the tree. Santa was very good to my very good girls who made the nice list and then some. Oh, wow. Okay. So what were some of the highlights? What was the favorite thing that each of them got? The funny thing is, uh, all the stuff that uh, Santa got and that we got, Emily, my oldest, was most excited about this Moana Lego set that my parents got her, and she built this thing yesterday in like an hour and just loves it. And Kaylee got uh, the youngest. She got uh, uh, an Elena of Avalor doll that sings. And another, so we got a bunch of toys that make the noise, but yeah. <laughs> they're in the house, and the girls are very happy, and there's and it's it's there's just a stack of things they haven't even played with yet. You know, it's, wow. it's, it's beautiful. It's a great thing. Now, I will say this. Uh, we had talked at length about how difficult it was to get a Nintendo Classic. Yeah. I got one. 
my wife, and you're aware of this because yes. she was secretly texting you yes. or whatever about this. Uh, we we were cavorting. Well, you guys did well, and and here's here's how it worked. My wife knows a guy at work. His name is David Gralnick, who is a listener of the show. Um, he helped her. I, I guess he had a second one that he was going to flip on eBay for a couple of hundred dollars. And he was like, "Oh, you know, my husband really wants one. Really, you know, he really would like to get that." And he sold it to her at cost, which is just an amazing what thing. What a good guy! I know, and he's a fan of the show. And David, thank you. Uh, if you're listening, uh, it's awesome. We love it. The girls couldn't understand what it was. They had this tiny Nintendo controller in their hand that only had a couple of buttons, but we immediately turned it on and started playing Super Mario Brothers. And Amy, apparently, my wife, is a huge Kid Icarus fan. And then she just grabs it and starts playing Kid Icarus for like an hour. Oh my and the God. girls are like, well, what do we do? Like, We went into another room and watched That was one of the hardest games I remember uh, yeah, uh, but she, for Nintendo. Yeah, she, she loves it. There's a bunch of like old fun stuff on it. Zelda's on it. Uh, Adventure of Link is on it. It's awesome. So, again, David Gralnick, thank you so much. It was quite a surprise when I opened that box on Christmas. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for your help in letting me get that. And I promise you, and I actually spoke to him in person, and he said to me, have you played Titanfall 2 yet? Have you played Titanfall 2 yet? Because uh, we might have <laughs> we might have given it a bad review, or maybe you had played just the uh, the demo and didn't like yeah. it. He's like, you got to play the single player. And, yes, David, I'm going to get to it. I promise once the dawning ends for Rise of the Iron yeah. uh, in a couple of days. But I promise we'll get to it, and then I'm going to let Nick borrow it, and I believe that we will both agree with you that it's probably one of the best one-player version game things this season. So, again, uh, my Christmas was great. How about you? Uh, I bought myself a bottle of Macallan 12 oh. for, for Christmas. Oh, delicious. And enjoyed that thoroughly. Uh, we hung out at the Irish Times. We did on Christmas with, Eve. Uh, with some friends with Hillary and uh, yeah. some other folks down there on uh, Christmas Eve. So once you got the kids to bed, ready for Santa, you came out and joined me. We had some good times there. I ate Chinese food at the Irish Times, <laughs> yeah, you did. which has become my, if I don't go home, I, I do the Chinese food and uh, good scotch on Christmas Eve. That's my that's my Christmas tradition if I can't be around uh, family for the holidays. So. Yeah, we had a mini meeting of the Council of Hats yes. on Christmas Eve. <laughs> uh, big story around the, the Touch Tunes app that I won't really get into. Oh, yeah. But that was a funny thing. Listen, okay, real quick. Fine, twist my arm. Yeah. So Touch Tunes is this uh, digital jukebox app where it's universal. So any bar that you go to, that you can play songs on it just by queuing them up on your phone, if putting they, credits. If they have a Touch Tunes jukebox in the bar, right? Sure, okay. sure. Uh, the problem with it is that you can put an extra credit on there and skip your song to the beginning of the queue, right? Right. And that's fine if your song gets skipped one time, right? The problem is is that you can literally, and this this happened to me, and I actually sent them a piece of feedback on this. Oh, you did? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sent them a nice letter. Uh, I queued up about 10 to $12 worth of songs, five or six songs, whatever it is, and I never heard them. For the next two hours. You think that the jukebox was mad at you for playing the Dream Theater 23-minute song that night? <laughs> it's quite possible. We enjoyed it, but everybody else in the bar was like, what the hell you is this You just look stuff? around and go see people going, oh, God. I want to listen to sad, depressing Christmas Eve music. No. no. We want to listen to Dream Theater. No, Deal we don't the- want to listen to another version of the Ramones song. Sorry. Exactly. I, I, you know, no more Clash <laughs> on Christmas Eve, please. Anywho, that was my that was my thing. Touch Tunes is awesome. I just think they should limit the ability of people to continuously skip your song if you've already paid money into something. So, or Fair give enough. me that back. Yeah, you know, if my song doesn't play, put that back in my credit queue. Uh, yeah. So me and McCallan hung out, and had some Chinese food. Uh, I did go see Rogue One a second time. I didn't yet. 
and I waited for you. I held out. I waited, but I, I had to go see it in IMAX up at Universal in the proper 70-millimeter version. Wow. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic, and I noticed things that I didn't notice in the first viewing, mainly because I was just, oh, fangirling <laughs> the whole time that uh, we saw it the first time. But seeing it in, in – pro- if you have the ability to do this in a – not a LIMAX, as I call them, but a, a proper IMAX theater. What's a LIMAX? It's just where they put a giant screen in a regular – Okay, you know, okay. It doesn't have the curved stadium seating. Yeah. It doesn't have the proper 70-millimeter – uh, or whatever that is, tall screen, Giant super screen with the, the, the IMAX certified sound system and all that. Limax is just, we, we'll put it on a regular screen. Maybe we have the certified sound system. Yeah. Right. So universal is funny enough in Los Angeles of all freaking cities. We have, we are now down to one proper IMAX theater and it's at universal. It used to be one down at uh, the bridge. Yeah. You're right. center. So the two best theaters I've ever seen IMAX in is uh, one is the palms in Las Vegas. And one is here uh, at Universal. But seeing the space battles that happen. Yeah. uh, And we're going to do our bonus special that we promised. We're not going to get into details here. But uh, if you have the capacity to go see Rogue One in 70mm IMAX, do it. Because you will absolutely not be disappointed. And do it soon before... It gets passed over for the whatever the next IMAX title is going to be. I can't even imagine what that would be in the next. It's got to be like a couple of months, right? Yeah. I don't know what's going to come out. Something in uh, something in February. I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, go see it at IMAX. It's freaking awesome. And you did the 2D, not the 3D IMAX, right? It was 2D, and I, I hate 3D IMAX. I really don't like it at all. I love active 3D on televisions okay. with the powered glasses. But the passive stuff, there's there's not a cover on the side. It messes with your peripherals. It goes out of focus on the side sometimes. I just don't like 3D in the movie theaters. Did you like it more the second time, or was it more the second time you're looking around and looking at other parts of the frame that you were that you weren't focused on the uh, the first time? All of that. Okay. The fangirl novelty had right. had subsided. Yeah. And I was watching the movie very critically. I would say this time, uh, I was really paying attention to details. Um, something I noticed about Jimmy Smith's character walked out into the shadows one time from the background and didn't really do anything. And I, I went, why did he walk out? I don't know. What is it foreshadowing? Little things like that. So I noticed the level of detail in the 70 millimeter version as well was out of this world. And it just it is so much better. So for a second viewing experience, I'd say either way, go see it a second or third time because you'll notice things that you didn't see before. I noticed some of the throwbacks a little bit more. I noticed some of the detail in the um, the eight, the at ats. Yeah, okay. Uh, there was one that was hollow in the middle. Oh, all right. I, I didn't notice that before with the, the the crazy guy shooting the the blue the intergalactic super badass whatever <laughs> he is uh, shooting the blue gun blue goo gun out of the out of the uh, fighter. So yeah. Anyway. Star Wars Rogue One is awesome. Be on the lookout. We're going to put up at the same time a bonus episode of the concession stand that is just me and Andy geeking out over Rogue One. And we wanted to do this separately, as we promised last week, just so that we can uh, not worry about spoilers, not worry about you know you not wanting to listen to this episode because uh, we didn't want to spoil anything. But that is technology at its finest. So the Consumer Electronics Show is coming up on January 5th, which is not this weekend, but week from Saturday, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, so I actually have a fun story about this. I was invited to go. Yeah, cool. I could make that work. I could I could get a CS. Yeah, your ticket will only be like $350. Wait, uh, just to go to the show? How about no? Aren't they trying to sell you on the products? Why would you have to pay to go? <laughs> 
Well, the idea was I thought that I was going to get to go as a blogger, uh, as a podcaster. Okay. That's the way I pitched it, right? Press credential of sorts. Apparently, the regular passes to go to this are upwards of $3,000. What? If you just want to be an attendee, right? And it's a limited number of attendees, which are frankly, I believe, are already sold out. They sell out a year in advance uh, because it's so limited because it's just a almost like a partner show where you just allow sponsors and their right. staff and everybody to collude and interact with you. Uh, anyway, the, it's a lot of press that gets to go as well. They get to see all the new stuff. You'll hear from... You know, SourceFed and all those guys that you know do this kinds of stuff go into the electronics. IGN will be there, and sure, you know, TechCrunch and all those guys, which will allow them to live stream it for free on the internet, so you don't have to be on the show floor. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Plus, so, what would that weekend in Vegas have really cost you? Let's be uh, honest. A lot of scotch and time at the craps table. All right. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we'll stay tuned for some updates on CES in a couple of weeks. Uh, definitely some big stuff that I've heard rumblings of coming down the pike. Um, Consumer Reports wasn't all too happy with the new MacBook Pro Touch Bar Pro thingy. Yeah, this is a bit unprecedented, right? Because yeah. they came out and they gave the MacBook, the new MacBook Pros with the Touch Bar and all that stuff, they gave them bad reviews. Well, it wasn't for the just, first time ever that a MacBook Pro has ever gotten a bad review. Is that right? Well, it's so it's it's not a bad review. It's a, a they did the, they do their own bench testing. Okay, right? and this ha, this is this revolved everything around the battery life. So Apple came out and promised that the new MacBooks offer up to ten hours of battery life. Well, Consumer Reports did their own bench testing, and they found that they did get those numbers on the first run, but when they recharged it fully and did it again, it was only like three or four hours. Oh my goodness! And it was this huge difference. So Phil Schiller came out uh, from Apple on Twitter. It was just like, "Well, those don't match our reports of our extensive lab testing that we did, but uh, we're working with Consumer Reports to make sure that blah blah whatever." Uh, so remains to be seen. The the point is, I don't know if the new MacBook Pro with the Touch Bar is a bit of a boondoggle in a sense that too much too soon. I think it was a, a half ass attempt to get into the touch scene uh, with regards to like what Sur- Microsoft is doing with Surface, and then they did that with the Touch Bar, and also doing away with all of the peripheral ability and completely converting without any real device support on the market yet, completely converting everything to USB C. It's just unfounded, and and I get their need and their desire to push the ball forward, but man, they just they I think they went too far with this one. Doesn't feel like a really good year for Apple. Have we said a lot of good things about Apple in the seventeen weeks we've been doing this show for the back half of two thousand seventeen? Uh, Apple TV's awesome. I uh, yeah, you know, I, definitely. I, especially the new OS that they have now is great, but that's an OS. Like as far as the product launches that they've done, iPhone seven, eh, yeah. earpods, what? MacBook Pro, yeah, yeah. Somebody at TechCrunch called the AirPods revolutionary. What? And I, that was that was mind blowing. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Uh, look, we we've spent a lot of time critiquing Apple, and I think that we do that naturally as consumers of their products and Apple fans and fans of their products. Um, for me, I was really excited about the advancements that Apple TV made this year, and I think I take those more to heart. Frankly, because I'm such a cord cutter, and yeah. I rely so heavily on that box and that, that operating system to consume content. I don't ever watch anything on my phones, really, other than YouTube videos. My wife watches stuff on her phone. Isn't this weird? So here's, here's the funny thing. Like, we have a TV in our room. We have a TV in the main room. 
but she'll go and watch her shows on her phone because it's easier. And she'll just like, and like she puts the like the phone like really close to her face. <laughs> okay, and, and I'm gonna get in trouble for this because she's gonna listen. But yeah, like, and she watches stuff on her phone. Like, what are you doing watching a television? <laughs> there's a television twelve feet away. Why don't you just? There's an Apple TV on that. Just watch. Nope, watches it on her phone. Sorry, I digress. <laughs> okay. So here's one exciting thing. It's not an Apple product, but it may solve the problem for those of you that are looking to get one of the new MacBooks. Okay. Uh, I I don't know the company's name. I'll put a link in the show notes once I find it after we're done recording. Somebody came out with a, they started a Kickstarter, I believe. Okay. For, to get a, what I'll call a port expander. But basically on each side of the new MacBook Pros, you have two USB-C ports, right? Uh, you can put, uh, they've come out with this uh, expander little dock thing that you just plug into the two USB-C ports, and it's like a port replicator where it gives you all of the original ports back. Oh, so, so it's you, like it's like one of those like things you would plug in your computer that had like when the, there were all the different like flash cards for cameras, and it'd be like, oh, this one is the slot for the SD card, and this one is the slot for the, oh, so it's like that. So it's like, like that. Oh, cool. And it's just a little strip. It's only about an inch wide. But it gives you both SD card slots, it gives you regular USB ports, it gives you an Ethernet port, and it gives you the ability to uh, use your MagSafe chargers again. That's huge. So all of that stuff, and I think the price that they've advertised on the Kickstarter is like $99 for this, and I think that's extremely fair, because if you buy three dongles, you're out 100 bucks already. But three the, of the Apple dongles, which you will not need any of those anymore if you buy this thing. That's a cool idea, but don't they have to get that through some sort of like Apple like approval? Apple has to approve it in order for the devices to support the connectivity there. So the fact that Apple is letting them do it, I, I think, is a is a good thing. Yeah, Congrats I mean, to it, Apple. In theory, they have like lightning cables made by Dynex yeah. at <laughs> Best Buy, true, true. right? So in theory, maybe that would work. So mm-hmm. good for them. Good for somebody else trying to solve that dongle problem that we've talked about for weeks at time. So Amazon is going to try and put blimps in the air, and and this needs some explaining. Wait, they're not allowed to put drones in the air, but they're going to put blimps in the air? Well, what are you talking about? Hang on. So it was it was announced, or it was I guess it was leaked in a sense. Uh, a, pulp, a patent application was discovered by TechCrunch, somebody at TechCrunch, where uh, Amazon submitted a patent application to be able to put blimp warehouses in. In the air. What? Over cities. Stay with me here. Okay. The point of this being that they could fly drones between the blimp and your house or, say, a sporting event, like a football stadium. They could literally bring you candy or (laughs) something to your seat at, you know... The, the Memorial Stadium here. In, in, who knows where they're going with this? I think this is absolutely crazy. It's like having a Star Destroyer that shoots out TIE Fighters of Amazon drones yes. that deliver packages to you in a stadium. That's ridiculous. Now, this gets even more ridiculous. Wait a minute. So that's a patent that they're putting out just so they can be like, that was our idea. If somebody else ever tries to do that, if that ever gets passed right. by the FAA. All right, All right, go ahead. This gets even more ridiculous because in the patent application, they speculate that maybe one day people would be able to send their own drones to pick up at the blimp warehouse in the sky. (laughs) What? I'm dead serious. No way. So Andy Nelson could order something on Amazon and he could say, I'll pick it up. And you could send that drone to the blimp warehouse over Los Angeles, <laughs> your own drone, and it would get it would pick up the package somehow. Right? This, <laughs> this is all imagination. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this this just gets a little bit silly, but it, I wouldn't put it past Amazon pulling it off. Sure, if well, I'm being honest, let me put this in like a real time application that I yeah. just thought of. Okay, so you and I are at a Kings game. 
Well, no, sorry. Let's say we're at a let's say we're at a football game, a Rams game, right? Yeah. And we're on like one side of the football stadium, and we buy three hot dogs. And we realize that we don't want the third hot dog, but our buddy is over in the top deck on the other side. Can I then on my phone be like, "Hey, drone, come pick up said hot dog, send it up to the blimp, and send the other drone with that hot dog back to the other guy?" Is that what you're saying? No, it's if you're sitting at your house and you own a drone. You can send your drone to pick up your package at the blimp warehouse in the sky. I wonder, oh my god, <laughs> this is—it's so confounded that I don't even—I don't even know what to say about it. But at the same time, I'm sitting there going, "Well, if anybody can pull it off, it's Amazon." You know? I'm sure the Goodyear blimp people uh, are licking their chops right, right now, like, "Well, we could just," yes. or they'll be like, "Oh no, there's too many blimps in the sky. What do we do?" <laughs> I, I have throwbacks to the Hindenburg and just you know have blimps <laughs> yeah. crashing into people's apartment buildings. <laughs> oh and just, no! And then there's this looting craze that goes on because it's just full of technology and gadgets and oh, stuff. I love it. when it crashes down. Anyway. Uh, just all kinds of imagination. I just think it's a great idea. If it actually could work, it'd be God. amazing. Uh, another p- bit of news about Amazon. They're doing a really cool thing here in the holidays. Um, they are doing a ch- teaming up with a charity organization uh, that gives you an opportunity to do something with all of those empty Amazon boxes that you get oh. every week. All right. Uh, and it took me a little bit of looking into this, but uh, basically what they're doing is they're paying the shipping. Uh, the charitable organization is. You can print out the label. On uh, on your computer, and then you can pack whatever chair, whatever items like clothing or socks or blankets or whatever into your Amazon boxes okay. instead of throwing them away and drop them off at the post office or UPS, and they will ship back off to uh, the charitable organization. They'll send you a tax write off, all that good stuff. Right? That's really cool. My one counter to that. Oh no. There's a reason that people still have a bunch of empty Amazon boxes laying around their house. What would that be? Uh, it's because they're, well, and I'm speaking in first person here, it's because we're lazy. I still have probably 20 to 25 empty Amazon boxes sitting in there. I noticed that, but I was just wondering what you were doing with them. Oh, now I know. Okay. <laughs> it's a fort. That's my excuse. Okay. I'm, I'm building a fort. Okay. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> um, no, it's just a matter. So to say that people are going to have a bunch of empty Amazon boxes sitting around and then try to get them to do even more stuff than just taking it down to the trash is kind of, I don't know. Maybe they'll be motivated to get rid of them if they are doing a good cause. I like Okay, I like that idea. Now, for example, I had a bunch of empty Amazon boxes in my house after Christmas Day that I could have taken all the old toys, which I have no room for for all these kids, and put them in and maybe donated them to charitable sure. organization. So, okay, it's a practical application. I like the idea. I get what you're going with. So yeah. maybe I'll come over here and steal all your Amazon boxes. Oh, that'd be amazing. And oh, that. God, that means we have to carry them all downstairs. I'll be the one carrying them downstairs. <laughs> you can stay up here and not change your discs in your PS4. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Oh Thank God. you. You get me. That's I, why I love you. That's why we're friends. You get me. <laughs> you complete me. <laughs> All right. Enough about that stuff. Let's talk about some video games. For the first time ever, mobile gaming has surpassed the revenue of console gaming. Whoa. This is for the year of 2016. All right. Uh, and I'm going to read this quote here. According to research firm Nuzu, this year marks the first time mobile game sales will account for more revenue than console gaming. That's $37 billion for mobile compared to $29 billion for consoles. Almost $10 billion more. That's a lot of money. That's crazy to me. Uh, the console game business is still up almost 5% over 2015, which is not bad. That's awesome. It's actually surprising considering all the things we've heard about console gaming yeah. being down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What else? Uh, 
But the mobile games business is up more than 30% from last year. And thanks to casual and free-to-play games, PC gaming is also on the rise, accounting for $32 billion in, of ga- total gaming revenue in 2016. So wait, so PC gaming, we're talking... All right. We're talking about Steam. We're talking oh, about okay. uh, boxed content. We're talking about Blizzard games. Sure. You know, stuff like that, right? Uh, I have to account... I have to assume a lot of that is Blizzard. Sure. Uh, between... Overwatch and uh, World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, Heroes of the Storm, all that stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, and plus all the Steam catalog that's out there for older content and whatnot. But it's amazing to me that we've finally gotten to the point where games on your phone, and you have to credit a lot of this to probably Pokemon Go. Sure. I, I and would, now I would, Super Mario Run. And now Super Mario Run even more just in the last week. Um, but th- that's huge. And I, I, we were talking about this last week. I hope this encourages gaming companies like Nintendo to make more uh, traditional and what I would consider classic or traditional content games uh, for mobile devices. That's the thing. I, I think what we're getting to is a world where you, you do have a cell phone in your pocket, but yeah. it's everybody now essentially has a mobile gaming device yeah. in their in their hand, in their pocket, whether it's their phone or maybe they have their iPad in their backpack or whatever it is. Those are mobile gaming devices, whether you like it or not. And I think these companies are starting to realize it. And obviously, the consumers are with the numbers you're telling me. Yeah, I think we're going to quit calling them phones in the next couple of years. Yeah. Hey, take your phone out of your pocket. Why you, you know, I think you and I, do we ever call each other? No, we just text. I call you every now and then. Every I just, now and I like, then. I like to hear your voice because yeah. you, oh. you complete me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're going to stop that shit right now. Uh, Xbox frontman Phil Spencer hates console exclusivity and so do i and so do i and i'm so glad that somebody finally came out and spoke out about this look in an article that came out this week uh phil spencer who heads up the xbox division over at microsoft uh came out and said specifically he hates uh dlc console exclusives but i think it's a bigger conversation that we've talked about a few times here especially me ranting and raving about it uh there's no reason to have this exclusivity stuff anymore and frankly there's no reason to not pursue cross-platform in the future well first of all let's explain what exclusive dlc means sure so what 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 is that Uh, it's like if you buy destiny on a ps4 Right. You get a you have an opportunity to get a maybe a weapon that somebody that's playing on Xbox can't potentially get. Right, and just like if you get like uh, Call of Duty on Xbox, their uh, maps release earlier than the PlayStation stuff right. does. Time time sensitive or whatever. Which they call is it. funny because if this guy's against it, they're doing it too, right? right. But he doesn't like the idea. It, it doesn't mean that he has to like it. It's you, know, you pick your battles. It's a hypocritical <laughs> in a way. But that's interesting that you say that because also Phil Spencer is the guy who is uh, the head of the Xbox division has basically also come out and said. Uh, recently, within the last couple of months, hey, we want to do crossplay. We want to be able to have games that you can play on Xbox and PlayStation. The same crossplay is that where you dress up and play video games? Or is that- <laughs> yes, yes, crossplay. Okay. Yes, I would like to play Call of Duty, but I'm going to wear a Battlefield outfit. Yes, no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm gonna wear my princess dress. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I think the cross-platform thing is on the horizon. I really do. I hope you're because right. Because the, the, the hardware statistics are, or, or performance is starting to level off across all of them. Like we're getting, they're only using the best of the best stuff. Right. It's not like there's that much difference in the performance capabilities of each specific console. So I think that it's, it's not in the game developer's best interest to do this because they can sell, they stand to make more money by selling more copies of their title, right? Right. But at the same time, I think this is a feature that, the consumers are going to demand. We've talked about this and ranted about this so much that I don't want to have to go buy an Xbox just to play your $60 game. 
Right. Right. I don't want to have to go buy a PS4 just to play your Uncharted. Right. Uh, let me play Uncharted on the the platform that I choose to play on. I might like the joysticks better. I might like this interface better. Whatever that is, whatever that means, I think they're going to couch out of that eventually. And I think we're going to begin to see this more cross-platform kind of world. And I think we're starting to see it when it comes to playing these type of games like we talked about a little bit last week with the mobile gaming, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to playing a Mario game, now you can play it on your phone. And why do you think that is? Um, well, it's interesting you ask. So... Super Mario Run came out last week, and he was uh, the creator of Mario, legendary Shigeru Miyamoto, um, did an interview, uh, I believe it was with CNN Tech where we saw this, and he was talking about how kids' first gaming experience traditionally was with a Nintendo console, yeah. and, we, and mine was, right? Sure, You may have the- played an Atari or something like that, but the first one you really fell in love with was your, your NES, right? And my kids played Nintendo first as well, because it's like it's more kid-friendly games, right? right. Okay. As we've moved on, and this was the point that he brought up when asked why develop content now for an iPhone, his response was, well, now instead of Nintendo consoles as kids' first gaming experience, we're seeing them play stuff on their parents' smartphones. Ah. And I was like, bing! Oh, so true. So this this might really make a shift in the way we see things going forward. We might see more companies making games especially kid-targeted kind of content, cartoony-type stuff, uh, to be more available on iPhones and on Android devices. It's really interesting like that. that you bring that up, because now that I think about it, when Pokemon Go came out, and I'm not a Pokemon guy, but my daughter is, and she was constantly playing Pokemon Go on our on our phones, either my wife's phone or my phone. We shared like an account so they could have the same Pokemon. Right. And as soon as we got Super Mario Run, Daddy, can I play that on your phone? Daddy, can I get that on my phone? Now, we gave our old iPhone 5s to the two kids. Right. Regardless of what you think of that, as far as a parenting decision, it works for us. <laughs> okay. They don't. They can't call people. You gave a four-year-old an iPhone five. Yeah, I did. Oh man! But it's it's just a gaming device. It connects to Wi-Fi. And we turn off the internet. You know, it's it's just yeah. a, it's a thing for her to use. And and again, I've always said as a parent, I'm going to put technology in my kids' hands, despite what the history of you know your kids shouldn't be playing games. Whatever we grew up with, they'll I'm, start playing records backwards and listening to <laughs> Satan. <you> exactly. <laughs> records. What are those, Dad? Shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry, playing MP3s backwards. <laughs> yeah. Ozzy Osbourne, whatever. Playing 3PMs. Remember all that shit? That was fun as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. You're not listening to that rap music again, are you? What about that Iron Maiden Eddie guy? He's bad. <laughs> uh, look, another cool Nintendo title is making its way to PS4. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite games as a kid was Double Dragon. Yes. So they're doing apparently a sequel. Not a port or anything. They're doing Double Dragon 4, they're calling it, and it's going to be available in uh, end of January, January 20th, on PlayStation 4 and PC. There you go. So there's a game to look forward to in January, which there aren't that many. Yeah. that's So, I mean, I think this is also signaling a change. Are we going to start seeing more classic titles in, I don't want to say emulator form, but ported over for uh, the consoles that we already have as maybe free-to-play downloads or... $5 games like you'd see on the App Store or something Sure, like wouldn't that. it be great to see like Contra on your iPhone? Oh, oh my goodness. Wouldn't like, it be great to see Contra on your PS4? Yeah. Oh, why not? Uh, that that's my point. It costs them nothing. Come on Konami, you yeah, know, come it costs on whoever. Them nothing. Get with the get on board Sega Nintendo. Just make these games for us. We will buy them. Like coding for like actual computer coding for a side scrolling game like that right now for like one it's got to be like somebody could do that in like 10 seconds, right? <laughs> I don't know about that, but, but it, you know it what I mean? It, it, but you you take an existing game you're like, "Uh, oh, turn that I, I don't know coding." The actual size of Super Mario runs less than a gig. Yeah. It, it's it's tiny. So I mean, 
it's completely possible. It's about making sure that everything interacts with the hardware the right way. But these old class, I mean, I don't know why we don't have an NES emulator for iPhone. There may be one. I just don't know about they, it. If, if they did that, think about that's that could be like a virtual console for your iPhone. Right. Then they would, they would, they would kill it if they did that. Right. And I bet that might be on the horizon at some point, but I think that would maybe interfere with their Nintendo switch thing that they're trying to do because that's their next portable. Granted, they're kind of competing with themselves when it comes to that, because you got super Mario run on your phone, but that's your phone, but you've also got your switch. I don't know. I, I'm, Nintendo's been on a bit of a downturn lately, but uh, maybe they're onto something. We'll see. Maybe I I will continue to contend that they need to go the Sega route and just keep making their awesome games. I don't care about your console. Your console is not what makes me love Nintendo. It is your games, right? It is your history of games. So that's you know I, I don't care about the Wii. It was. Kind of the nunchuck thing was kind of cool. It was fun. Whatever. The Switch, this whole console mode and portable mode. Uh, uh, I just don't. I want to play Mario and Zelda. That's what I'm excited about when you say Nintendo. But you wanted a Nintendo Classic really bad. I, I do. So explain that. Well, it ha- again, it has nothing to do with the thing. It's about a collection of the games. All right. Fair enough. And when I found out that I couldn't go get one, I went out and spent probably $50, $60 on classic titles for my 3DS. And I sat in my recliner and played, uh, what was it, uh, Mario World 64 okay. or something like that from N64 days. Fatality, Nintendo wins. <laughs> so I don't really need a classic. I can probably get most of the titles on your NES classic on my 3DS. Yeah. And I think there's even a way you can plug those into your TV. I'm not sure, but I think there's a port. Anyway. Uh, lastly, here in video gaming, um, there's there was an interesting article that came out this week about, um, I think there was a lot of buzz around some games this year that didn't exactly launch well. And what I mean by that is they didn't blow away the sales numbers we saw okay. like from GTA 5 right. a couple years ago and you know uh, Call of Duty Black Ops and just the set the records and blew it out of the water, right? And there was an interesting point made that kind of ties into me being a lazy fat ass that doesn't want to go buy discs. <laughs> Here we go again. Disc, right? Here we go again. Um, back in the back in the old days, <laughs> four or five years ago, uh, we actually had to go to a store and wait in line for a copy of a game. Right? Uh, when Black Ops and Black Ops Two came out, they shattered records. When GTA Five came out, it shattered records. I still don't have a GTA Five disc. I digitally downloaded it. I will I, put that I, out there. I do. But the interesting point here in this article was that um, they, there was exposure to those numbers when they were brought, bought through third-party brick-and-mortar stores. Okay. Or m- means that way. Those numbers could be reported on publicly by those purveyors. Now, since digital downloads has really taken hold, you're not seeing the big sales figures anymore because those numbers aren't being reported specifically to individual titles by Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, right? They're not, and they're not being shared by the publishers okay. either, right? But, but do they know? I guess they have they to. Know. They know. Internally, to. they have to know because that's how they build their business. But um, they definitely know that stuff internally, but they're not, they're not obliged to share that information, right? So to say that something like a Titanfall or uh, what was on a Battlefield or any of the other games had a, quote, failed launch right. is, is not fair. In the sense, because those numbers, you're comparing apples to oranges when you look at what something like maybe Battlefield 2 five or six years ago did versus, you know, Battlefield 1, which feels weird to say. Right. Backwards. Uh, today, right? A lot of that has to do with digital downloads and numbers that they can't share. So it, th- Watch Dogs 2 was the other one I was trying oh, to think right. of. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Titanfall 2, Watch Dogs 2, all kind of got 
some bad tabloid press in the industry about failed launches and didn't do well and blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't know that. Yeah. The only people that know that are the game developers and the game publishers. Do you think a lot of this is based on uh, the stuff you're talking about with the Grand Theft Auto and the Call of Duty shattering numbers for like when it's it's like that's based on that sort of like Hollywood thing of like Rogue One made this much money in the opening weekend. And then I think they were trying to uh, to create their own press and create their own buzz for their games was, you know, Grand Theft Auto made this much money in the opening weekend. It was like, wow, it's that big. I got to go out and buy that. Just like if if it's that big, I got to go out and see it in a movie theater. But what you're saying is because of a digital download, which doesn't exist for movies, now we're at the same thing. To me, it's analogous to Variety putting out an article on Tuesday saying that a movie is going to bomb. And yeah. we haven't even gotten to the opening weekend yeah. yet, right? Yeah. Numbers aren't looking good. Blah, 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 blah. It's Tuesday, right? Yeah. There's no way for the gaming press to have access to numbers on digital downloads. Sony doesn't share them. Microsoft doesn't share them. And the gaming companies don't share them. Blizzard, Activision, Blizzard doesn't even share the subscription numbers anymore for World of Warcraft. They used to. But when the numbers started going down a little bit, they stopped sharing those numbers. Okay. Right? So they are not obliged in any way to share that stuff. Any type of uh, attempt to do so by the gaming press is just clickbaity nonsense that you should ignore. Right. My sole advice, play the game. If yeah. you're interested in the game, get the game. If you can do it through Gamefly or a demo or something like that, play it, play a test, play a demo, and then decide whether you want to buy it. It's up to you, the consumer. Forget these asshats that... You know, <laughs> I love that. Continue word. to do their own thing just to drive ad revenue on their websites. It is up to you whether or not you like a game and nobody else, right? Or go watch it on Twitch if somebody playing it, just so you can see if you like it or not. And that is watch one of the best yeah. parts of Twitch. Yeah, absolutely. I got a little bit of a Twitch this weekend when I saw a certain movie trailer. Maybe we should move on to some TV and movies. I'm going to guess that you're going to talk about the Alien Covenant trailer. Wow. Woo-hoo-hoo. That is a Ridley Scott trailer, if I have ever seen a Ridley Scott trailer. Yes. And I was immediately thrown back to the actual Alien trailer. I agree. From 1979. It, it was. It told me absolutely nothing, but it told me absolutely everything I wanted to know. Yeah. It told me nothing about the where it was spoilers of the story. Told me nothing of the plot. Nope. But it showed me everything I wanted to see in a teaser trailer for that film. Visually, it feels like an alien movie. We see something about to burst out of a back or a chest or whatever the hell it is. We see a fi- we see the egg. We see a face hugger jump on somebody. We see a, a tail come. Then we know that somebody's going to get like you know attacked by an alien. We see all little glimpses of that. That was a perfect teaser for a movie that you and I are both, you especially, hoping is going to be an alien movie as opposed to Prometheus movie. I think it'll tie... So the idea is that it's going to be a connecting dot between Prometheus and Alien. Great. And I couldn't be more excited. The things I'm concerned about, and I'm sure we'll find out, uh, we'll, we'll definitely know this time because Damon Lindelof didn't come anywhere near this one, um, but I think we're going to find out how they got, how the ship got to LV-426, how the eggs got there. I would love we're, that. I would love to discover that. That's one thing I'm looking forward to. I love the fact that they brought David back. Even Rumi Napas is going to uh, have a, a small bit, from what I understand, to continue the, the story. Right. Uh, but we're going to get a whole new cast of characters that are going to explore what I hope. My theory is when she flew away in Prometheus, mm-hmm. 
they the next stop is the crashing onto LV426. That would be perfect. Right? And I think that would set up everything. So maybe it's the engineer planet originally where they fly back to. Maybe the ship auto flies back to that place. Very nice. And we get uh, this goo that turns into eggs, mixes with the engineer DNA, all of that stuff that kind of set up in uh, Prometheus can now be turned into that. And then hundreds of years later, you get the uh, Nostromo crew that comes in and goes to explore and finds all the eggs. Yes. Right? Wouldn't that be great? Oh, if he does that. Woo. Here's the thing that's cool about this. I, th- I Forgive me. I thought this movie was coming out much later next year. I was wrong. This is coming out Memorial Day-ish, like May 19th or something it's, it's like that, the right? May, it's the May slot. Yeah, it's Memorial co- it, slot. It'll be here soon, and we're going to get another bigger trailer probably in the next couple months. I don't want one. I know, I know you don't, but, but still, I do, but I don't. <laughs> they've got me excited enough. Let's let's get there. I want to see it. Yeah, it's if you haven't seen this trailer yet, definitely I'll uh, go check out the show notes over at orbitaljigsaw.com. I'll put the uh, the link to it uh, in there for you. Uh, may even embed it in the site for you, so you can just watch it straight on the page, uh, or just go to YouTube and search for Alien Covenant trailer. You'll find it right away. Uh, it is probably one of the better trailers I've seen in recent years. Because it it does exactly what it's supposed to, and exactly not what it's supposed to. Hey, you know, there's a bunch of uh, passengers in those uh, ships in those movies that kind of get buried, <laughs> just like the Passengers movie and Assassin's Creed, for that matter, have also been buried by a certain movie, which, again, we will be doing a standalone review of. Yes. So it's one of those things where I want to talk about a lot about it. Uh, I think we're going to do a viewing of it later this week. We are tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. So we will talk about it in depth uh, next week. By that, he means Passengers, the movie. Yes. And with Pratt Law. Jesus Christ. You should go work at TMZ. I know. Forget your podcasting career. But I thought it was good. (laughs) That was really good. Uh, Look, anything that came up over the holidays this year, short of a Quentin Tarantino film or an an Eastwood epic, it was going to um, not do well against Rogue One. We talked about this weeks ago, how they had a leg up coming out on December 16th. They had a full two weeks before the holiday. Uh, and then just continue to steamroll. And I'm going to pat myself on the back and say it. It's already surpassed the 500 million I thought it would. It's over 600 million at this point. And globally, I think, globally, worldwide, yeah. Globally, sure. And I think if it, if trend stays, we've got one more big weekend for the end of the year. I think it could get another couple hundred million under the hat over yeah. the course of this week because. I, I don't think it's going to hit a billion, though, worldwide. It's going to come short of a billion, yes. Yeah. But. Uh, that was if it, I remember saying if it gets really crazy, it could hit a billion. I think we'll, we're, everybody's on vacation this week. I think everybody's seeing the movies. Yep. I think we're going to have a big New Year's weekend. People are going to go to the movies. So I, I think it could get another another hundred million or so worldwide uh, throughout the course of this week. I think you're right. Um, I've not heard good things about passengers, and, and I remember doing uh, what was it, episode four or five of this podcast where we were excited when we saw that trailer. Oh yeah, we're going to watch tomorrow, and, and again, it's not gotten good reviews. We'll see what it is. We'll let you know. Um, Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you can tell us what you guys think. Uh, Assassin's Creed, like the games. I don't think I'm going to like the movie, apparently. Uh, A really good friend of ours uh, saw it and was just like, it's bad. He said. He said they must have some sort of like like dirt on all the actors that were in this movie, like, like to make them play in it. Horrible, like horrible, like drug problems that they're like, we're going to expose this unless you do Assassin's Creed. They're like, okay, fine, we'll do it. Apparently, it's bad. Uh, you know, it's it's the video game movie curse. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. They just they can't find one. I loved Warcraft this year. I thought it was amazing, but I'm a Warcraft player. People that don't play it yep. hated it. 
I would imagine that probably the same thing holds true. The thing that they're trying to tap into, in my opinion, when they make these video game adaptations is tapping into the people that have played and loved the stories within the game. People that don't play those games, they're not going to care. No. And it's the same thing held through for Warcraft. You know, Doom was the ultimate piece of shit when it comes to video game movies, even though it had the rock in it, which might have made it worse. I don't know. Never. Uh, but at the same time, it's you can't, you just can't do this. Uh, I don't know how it looks. The, the the graphics and the stunts and all that stuff look fantastic, but I just if you've got bad writing and bad story, it's just it's not going to hold up. You know. Let's go away from the movies for a little bit. Let's talk about some of the streaming things that are going yeah. on. Yeah. So this is a big deal this week. Um, we had two big announcements. Uh, Vidgo yeah. and Google both announced as brand new. Google Unplugged, I should say. Wait, is that like Coldplay playing acoustic guitars on a YouTube channel? <laughs> I don't know. What about Nickelback? I miss the MTV Unplugged stuff. <laughs> so do I. I still listen to stuff. it. Yeah. Alice in Chains Unplugged is probably one of my all-time favorite albums. But Nirvana was good. Pearl Nirvana Jam was, was good. good. Pearl Jam good. Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. Oh. Eric Clapton was good. Uh, anyway, I wish Google Unplugged was nothing more than an app that played <laughs> Unplugged. Anyway, uh, Google announced that they were coming out with a new streaming service called Unplugged. And so far, already, they've got CBS, Disney, Viacom, and Fox. CBS is a big one, right? CBS is a big one, which is interesting. And I, I don't know. It's controversial. They've got their own platform for 10 bucks a month. Uh, and it's interesting that they're going to join forces with, with Google now for Unplugged. Uh, Vidgo is another one that's coming out next year. Um, and their big thing is that they're putting the customer in the driver's seat. Eh, it's a Supposedly, nice, this nice is marketing all... buzz line, but yeah, I, I don't know what that means. Allegedly, there's also supposed to be some contracts involved, which is interesting. I thought we'd be done with contracts in 2017. Okay, by now, uh, all the cell phone companies have gone away from them. You know, I, I think Directv even has a month-to-month thing now that they do. I have I, it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. So, uh, Directv now coming out, especially yeah, right. It. Yeah. So I. The good news here, here, and we're going to talk about this more later as as part of our our main story. But uh, streaming is is cord cutting is becoming a real thing. The studios are and the uh, networks are taking it seriously. They're really starting to develop content. They see it as the next generation of television consumption. And I'm telling you right now, folks, if you have not got on board and figured out how to be a cord cutter, you need to really start looking into that. And the homework assignment I always give people is go and look at the actual shows you watch. Make a list. Literally write it down. Forget about what channels you watch. That's not what it's about. It's not about what channels you watch anymore. you got to go find the shows you actually care about and see which platform they're on. Once you do that, you can identify the platform that's right for you, whether it's Hulu or Netflix or one of these other platforms that's out there. Yeah, so speaking of Hulu, you just said it. Um, they are apparently getting 50 new Disney movies in a new licensing deal. 50? 5 zero? I think so, but this is interesting to me because I thought Disney was in bed with Netflix because as, so as a parent, all the new Disney movies, like Jungle Book's already on there. Like There's a ton of like Disney movies on Netflix. But doesn't Disney, I think, own a 30% stake in Hulu, right? They because do of, because, because of, of like, ABC. the ABC and all that stuff. Yeah. So if are they going to put 50 exclusive Disney movies on hulu that would then not be on netflix at a certain point like how does this all work who knows uh look some of the titles that are going to be on there are some pretty big name i mean i saw pocahontas i saw tarzan some of their bigger movies but all that stuff's on netflix so if it's exclusive to hulu does that mean they're going to rip it from netflix just to probably create because wasn't there like a whole thing like disney was going to buy netflix or something and Uh, disney's going to buy the world yeah but this is all some probably they made seven billion dollars yeah this is all some kind of power play (laughs) but i think i think Let's be honest. Do most people that have Netflix also have Hulu? I mean, yeah. why would you not? Yeah. Because 
you know, I, I gripe the, between, about this huge, between the two of them. What is it? Twenty bucks a month to have all of that content? Uh, if you want the ad-free version of Hulu, yeah, uh, twelve dollars plus eight dollars. So yeah, twenty bucks a month. Uh, if you get the regular version, it's not even that. Plus so, all the original programming from both of those, plus all the stuff you get. I mean, that's a no-brainer to me. I'm telling you, folks. Again, the cord cutting is real. You can have everything you want for twenty bucks a month. Seriously. It's not it's not that far fetched. It's a real thing. I've lived with it for four years. Yeah. Promise you, it's real. It's simple math. Just break it down. Break it down. Well, this week in wrestling, not a lot happened, funny enough. But I will say Raw is kind of getting better. Right? Yep, yep, yep. I'm starting to see the posters come back. I'm starting to see a little bit of attitude era esque skits come back to the show, and that's that's really promising. I'm really liking the push that Braun Strowman is getting. Yeah, I can he's, a, he's a beast. He's I, just destroying everything in his path, and Owens and Jericho are hilarious. I said something on uh, Facebook today that, uh, that last night when I was watching Raw, it was uh, Braun Strowman to me is like a Wolverine mated with the big show, <laughs> and some kind of super monster came out of it, right? And look, Raw is is becoming good again. It was going a bit of a downturn there, but I'm really seeing it come back. Um, that's really all we had to talk about from Raw. Uh, not a lot going on. SmackDown, we saw the triple threat match with AJ Styles, Dolph Ziggler, and Baron Corbin, which was a fantastic match. Of course, AJ Styles comes out on top. Will face the returning 15-time champion, John, John Cena. Cena. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he cut a good promo. Say what you will about John Cena. The guy is still must-see TV, whether you like him or not. And John Cena sucks. Whatever the, the crowd does, the guy can still wrestle. The guy is still is charismatic as hell. I, I want to see what he's going to do. Yeah, and at the end, he, after the triple threat match for the championship, AJ won, and he runs, his music kicks, pops, and he runs out and jumps in the stage, takes his shirt off, and goes, Yep. You're next. You're yeah. next, basically. And speaking of your next, Royal Rumble's coming up in what, three weeks? No, four weeks. Four, four weeks. weeks yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, the big thing about Royal Rumble, we know two of the entrants are Lesnar and Goldberg as a result of uh, them saying we're going to be in it. Uh, and the winner of that will get a chance to uh, go for the title. Not sure which one. Uh, whether no, it's be the WWE. Well, that's a good point. Is yeah. it the SmackDown Ooh. title or the WWE title? We'll find that out probably over the next month. But that's the that's the pay per view to look forward to. It's it's kind of the kickoff of the new wrestling year, yes. just like it is for the new calendar year. Uh, we will get to see what's going on now. Um, to me, the interesting thing will be: Do we see like the like? There's always the surprise Royal Rumble entrance coming, and we'll talk about this over the next couple of weeks. But will we see some of these really cool NXT stars start to come up as entrants in the Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble as their sort of debut? I don't know if like Finn Balor will be back by I then. Think so that'd be great. But maybe we get to see uh, Samoa Joe, or maybe we get to see Nakamura. And I've I've introduced you to Nakamura this week, where you've seen what this guy is. Not just his wrestling ability, but his entrance and this character yeah. is just, you cannot take your eyes <laughs> off of this guy. It's it's a whack job kind of character that he's portraying. But it's I, awesome. Uh, it, it is a spectacle to watch, that's for sure. Uh, and I will say that I was I I haven't really given NXT a fair shake. It's really something should. that I'm going to do a little bit better job of of doing but uh yeah not much to talk about in wrestling this week um let's move on yeah so our main story this week that we wanted to talk about look it's it's not a big topic we wanted to take a look back at 2016 yes and there's a lot of negativity that's been portrayed over 2016 with we've lost a lot of celebrities this year right we've lost a lot of our icons of, of our growing up and our youth that have been you know the the for especially for geeks that have loved music and movies and things of inter, various entertainment venues, uh, but at the same time there's been some pretty amazing things that have happened uh, specifically to us geeks. 
And uh, we kind of just wanted to take turns going through each of our typical kind of categories of geekdom and going through what our favorite things were. So um, let's start with video games because that's the most obvious one, as big a gamers as we are. I mean, what was... What was your favorite video game of the year? If you had to pick one game, not maybe that was the highest rated by some third party or the highest grossing or anything, but that you've actually played, what was your favorite? The game I played the most was Destiny, but that was not a release this year, so that doesn't count. So my thing was there were two games that came out this year that I absolutely loved. Number one was Overwatch, which you'll agree with, I'm sure. Uh, number two, I loved The Division, but only for like three weeks. Only for those first three weeks when we started playing that game. That yeah. game was amazing. And yeah. I loved what it was, and then it just fell, it just fell flat. Um, I still have hopes that that game will make a turn, that they'll come out with a, a, an expansion of some sort that will fix a lot of the end game problems that that game had. They've done it. I haven't delved into it. Uh, I, I haven't been in, into going back into that because I'm just afraid. Um I think you'll probably say that the other vi- big video game experience this year was probably Uncharted 4. Absolutely. Oh, end of an era, in a way. Uh, I don't think so. They're coming out with yet another little extra chapter next year. We're going to see some... I think it's. I don't think it's the end of the Nathan Drake world. I think we're going to see more there. Yeah, we had a lot of holiday shooters that came out that were big titles. Uh, Gears of War, uh, Call of Duty, Space Duty, whatever the hell that was, uh, <laughs> and Titanfall, and... I think the the one that you and I have probably latched onto you much more so than me, and I'll probably get into it as we get into the new year a little bit more. Is uh, is Battlefield One? Yeah, and I think that's got a lot of potential, so I'm looking big forward time. to playing that. But uh, uh, obviously, the the big misstep in video games in 2016 for both of Don't us. I'll say it. I will. The, no, the, Man- the name that will not be spoken. Here it is. No Man's Sky was no. horrible. That was that, and we didn't enjoy that. Oh, it was. It might be the the worst. So yeah, the Uncharted Four for me was definitely. Uh, from a emotional, from a gameplay, from an adventure cinematic kind of game, it, it, it is it was unrivaled to me this year as as a gameplay experience. On the TV side, I'm going to say that my favorite thing that happened this year um, was uh, Game of Thrones: Battle of the Bastards. I think that episode to me uh, was was a movie. It was it was perfect. Everything about it, like just the cinematic value of that, the story value of that, and then the episode after that uh, with everybody getting wiped out. Sorry, yeah. spoiler alert, but we're uh, far enough away from that. Um, I think game of Thrones, uh, steals TV for me this year, uh, for sure. I think for me, it wasn't any particular show. I think for me, it was see, as I was talking about earlier, uh, streaming and cord cutter life really becoming a thing. Right? Yeah. I mean, and I people it. accepting it and latching onto it and understanding what that truly means to be, uh, to, to stream content via apps on your Apple TV or, uh, you know your Amazon Stick or whatever it is you you use, and at how that completely is supplanting traditional cable television that we've known for the last thirty years, right? I, I think that to me, if I had to pick a particular show, I mean, there's a bunch of them that I've watched on Hulu. I'm kind of a reality junkie in the sense that I love the Gordon Ramsay shows. I love uh, The Prophet with um, Marcus Lemonis. Stuff like that is kind of Shark Tank is, is one that I watch a lot of. Uh, but, uh, you know, for TV shows, it's, there's a lot of really exciting Hulu and Netflix original content going on. Uh, Casual and You're the Worst are some of the good ones on Hulu. Of course, House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. You had Stranger Things. Oh, that was a fantastic Stranger TV. Things, if I had to pick a particular show, is easily the best pick for me for the year. I dug Daredevil Season 2 with a Punisher, though, oh, too. Oh, man. And oh, John Bernthal's Punisher is just, oh, man. I can't wait for that series. 
Um, anyway, wait, one more thing on TV, because yeah. technically wrestling is a TV show. If we had to pick our wrestling moments from the year, what would they be for you? Um, or wrestling things. I could think of a couple. I, th- I think more so the buildup and the hype than the actual match. But I think Goldberg coming back was pr- a pretty landmark thing. But this, the, the big thing for wrestling as an industry, I think they got the, bl- the brand split right. Yeah, they did. I think the whole setting it up as a draft, splitting it off, the whole setup with Shane coming back, the all of that at uh, Survivor Series, or was it Wrestle- at WrestleMania, yep. to Wrestle Undertaker and the Hell in a Cell, all of that stuff. I think the execution on that throughout the year has been phenomenal, right? I, I just They couldn't have done much better with that. Now, they've, they've danced around a little bit trying to find their way, but... The way that they've handled that has been fantastic, and I've enjoyed watching it over the year. Well, I think um, the other things that I'll bring up as far as wrestling goes, as far as big things for me, number one, the emergence of a a new era, a a new group of superstars. Uh, By that, I mean AJ Styles, huge, huge person in this this industry right now. Uh, Kevin Owens coming up, Sami Zayn coming up. Uh, All of these guys are now like big-time players in this, this, and then they were in NXT like in May. You know, and almost the entire women's division, right? At least half of it are new, and they're not called the divas anymore. They're yeah. called the it's called the women's yes. division. I think that is fantastic to finally get rid of that bullshit. Tag team division is back. Yes. Uh, the Miz is a bona fide awesome heel. That's great. They need that in wrestling. It's fantastic. Yeah. So some some big stuff this year in wrestling that to to be excited about, and and it really just sets the stage up for next year. I'm anxious to see how they're going to deal with the belts on the different sides of the. Of the shows, all of that kind of stuff. We also got the cruiserweight yeah. uh, championship oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. this year, which was pretty awesome. Uh, we also getting a lot more exposure to NXT, which you know I'm one of those that needs uh, more exposure to it. And there's a new show um, called 205 Live yeah, that started cru- up. All cruiserweights. All cruiserweights. Uh, the other thing is that they stone between Stone Cold's podcast, which has been going on for many years. Most mm-hmm. people just didn't find out about it really until this year, and they put it on the network, right? We also got additional shows, after-party shows, yep. called Talking Smack, and there's a Raw after show now uh, as well with Booker T and another woman that I can't remember her name at this moment. But uh, look, the point is that they're drowning us in content, and I absolutely love it. Uh, I think it's only going to get better and better. I'll be anxious to see if they continue to have relationships with the cable networks and don't go completely WWE network exclusive within the next two to three years. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something that we're going to see manifest itself. I think that's all going to be based on ad revenue. But, okay, let's yeah. move on to uh, let's move on to tech. So what, what for you was the big tech stuff of the year? Man, there, there was a lot that went on this year. I, I think I think the big thing for me that just geeked me the F out was Elon Musk and SpaceX oh, yeah. landing a returnable rocket on a barge in the middle of the ocean. Yes. Unmanned, uncon- just uncontrolled, just it landed itself. What that does for the future of the space program is it, 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 I can't even begin to describe what that means because of the amount of waste that we're saving, uh, the amount of reusable. You know, if we can keep using these rockets over and over again, there's no telling how this leads us to the space program of the future, how this leads us to going to Mars. All of these things come into play. And that one little thing, they had to get right. And it took them a few tries to really nail it, but they finally got it and they worked out all the kinks. For me, that was the big tech thing that, that happened this year. That's a good one. And we talked about how Apple's on a bit of a downturn. Um, a couple of things that, that stick out to me. Uh, I like how we're sort of dipping our feet into the self-driving car world that started 
uh, I think that's a, a future thing that's going to be really cool. Um, on a personal level, I got an uh, Amazon Echo, which I know you had, and that thing has just changed our house. Not like it, it, you know, and I haven't even tapped its potential yet. Yeah. At some point, I'm going to get it where I'll be like, I'm running out of toilet paper and like it'll show up or or I need to know, you know, I, I don't I don't use it as, as the home assistant as much as I probably should, because, again, I, I don't know exactly what it's capable of, but it's an awesome music player. I'll be like, what's the weather like outside? Uh, how long is it going to take me to get to this place? And it'll know. And like, it's it's cool. I just like having that little little person in my house yeah you could use it for all kinds of home automation to turn lights on to set timers to i don't do have all, all that set up yet but uh, like i i think the potential is there and i'm excited to have it so yeah. for me that was the big like personal tech thing that i got this year no and, and to to follow on to that i think we saw a big rise of ai yes artificial intelligence yes. in 2016 and i think that's perpetuated itself across the entire industry um we're seeing uh cortana siri google home yep whatever all, we're everybody's got a, a home assistant now and I think Amazon really kicked this off with Echo, and I I'm anxious to see where this goes. Yeah, that that sounds. I like told a- I told Alexa to play heavy metal the other night, and she played Evanescence, and I'm like, yeah, no, that mm. that's no. So we've got a ways to go. You know, <laughs> be patient with it, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it's we've still got some learning to teach these things. So I I, I don't know. I, the Echo for me plays music. Uh, that's kind of what I've resolved it to do. But again, I live in an apartment. If I lived in a house and had a bunch of uh, or access or the ability to change a bunch of lights and bulbs and you know smart thermostats and stuff like that, I'd be all over it. I guess the other category that uh, is our last category of things that that we like are movies. And for me, this was the the year of the superhero movie, good and bad. Um, the big ones that stand out to me, obviously Deadpool started off the year as a, as a big surprise. Oh yeah. What a fun movie that was. What a great movie and a good time that was. And sort of like a, a different take on the superhero movie with like a dark turn and it was funny and it was clever and it was just really cool. Uh, then you follow that up with Batman v Superman. You had civil war, Batman v Superman. Think of what you want about it. But at the same time, it's a big tentpole movie with those two characters. I enjoy many parts of that movie. There's parts of it. I don't like Uh, civil war was fantastic. Uh, suicide. We got to see Spider Man. We got to see Spider Man and a glimpse of what that's going to be for next year. Uh, suicide suck was suck, and uh, yeah, I mean that's superhero movies for the year. Oh, there's that other movie that that we're gonna do a whole separate podcast about that was awesome. Yes, it's probably my favorite movie of the year called Rogue One. Uh, for me, my two best films of the year. Okay, and this is my personal, in my opinion, kind of review, right? There was two. Well, first one was Hell or High Water. If you haven't seen this film yet, please go see it. I know you haven't seen it yet, but you want to. I have it. Uh, you have it. But so it's one of those that we have to see that film because I want to watch it two or three more times. It is a pure drama, pure suspense, absolutely fantastic five star performance. I hear it's yeah. I hear it's an acting clinic. Uh, the other one is a little bit of an indie horror movie that came out of nowhere that okay. we weren't really expecting called Green Room. Oh. And this was one where the setup is a band, a little startup band, goes to play in a sort of neo-Nazi redneck backwoods bar. And they get into some trouble. There's some meth involved. Somebody gets caught in the back room. And they end up locked in this room, held hostage, waiting to get, you know, to escape or whatever, right? There, it, believe me, if you, if you like horror and thriller kind of genre stuff, 
Check out Green Room. You will not be disappointed. It was probably my favorite horror movie of the year. Okay, and I'm not a big horror movie fan, right? as we've established in our Halloween episode, <laughs> yes. but maybe you've talked me into it. Maybe I'll take a look. It, it's fantastic. It's not a It's a jump scare kind of thing. but it's More a, cerebral? It's suspense. It's cerebral, that kind of film. All right, I, I dig that kind yeah. of stuff. So look, there were a lot of bad vibes that were going on in 2016. Everybody was at each other. We were very divisive. There was a lot of just, we lost a lot of our celebrity and icons and stuff. And with the whole election crap and everything going on, people have generally a bad taste in their mouth about 2016. But I wanted to remind people that some really amazing stuff happened in 2016. Did you know that there's an Ebola vaccine now? Did you know that child mortality is down around the globe? Did you know that we have a more than a 9% increase in survival rate among pancreatic cancer survivors? Did you know that we found the gene responsible for ALS, thanks to the Ice Bucket Challenge, I believe? Do we know that volunteers in India planted 50 million trees in 24 hours this year? Wow. Did you know that suicide rates are actually down globally? The ozone layer is actually repairing itself, it's been proven. Uh, the Rabbinical Assembly issued a resolution affirming the right of trans and non-conforming individuals. Right? That's a huge one. Uh, we had mind-controlled robot arms. Nice. Uh, Leo got an Oscar. There's that. Wild tiger numbers are up for the first time in a hundred years. Giant pandas are no longer endangered, and a solar-powered plane did a trip around the world. Awesome. Uh, global malaria is down by sixty percent. Measles have been completely eradicated from the Americas. Ninety-three percent of the world's children learn to read and write. This is the highest percentage in human history. China plans to be completely renewable by 2020 Whoa. and has a global plan for the for the year 2050. This is a huge global push towards renewable energy that we're seeing manifest itself in solar and wind power. Uh, Norway committed zero de- deforestation this year. Zero. Wow. Right? Every major grocer and fast food chain in the U.S. has pledged to use cage-free eggs by the year 2025. Manatees are no longer endangered. Wild wolves are, have been found back in Europe. Wild salmon are spawning in Connecticut River for the first time since the American Revolution. No kidding. Colombian white-tailed deer, no longer endangered. Green sea turtles, no longer fucking endangered. SeaWorld, no longer breeding captive killer whales. Humpback whales, no longer endangered. Global aid is up by 7% worldwide. America's most generous year ever in charity and aid, and this is China's most generous year ever in charity and aid, at $15 billion worldwide. So, yes... Some famous people that you liked died. And you know what? Unfortunately, more of them are going to because we're getting to that time period. But what I want to remind everybody is take some time. Look at all the good and the beauty that's going on in the world. Look back at 2016 at at some of the, the good and not just focus on the negative. There's some really good shit happening. And support it and share it and be a part of that side of the conversation, right? The negativity has to end. We have to come together. And this is the last time you're probably going to hear me say stuff like this on this kind of show. But look, as a, as a year end wrap up kind of show, I wanted to end this year on some really positive vibes. And I hope that we did that through our review of our tech and video games and movies. We'd love to hear what you have to say as well. And uh, share that with us on Facebook, on Twitter, 
send us some review on, on iTunes and uh, let us know. But, hey, wait, we've got one more thing we usually do here, don't we? So we like to always end the show with fun stuff. Now, you sent me a story about your favorite band, Metallica. What was the story? Uh, James Hetfield left. No way. Uh. <laughs> uh, he has moved to Vail, Colorado. Oh, from where? Uh, the Bay Area, Oakland, or Con- I don't know. Bay, they're from a uh, Oakland area. I think. Okay, the Bay Area. Why did he move? I-, I have no idea. Was it something about him not liking the elitist attitude in Northern California? Do you want me to read this, or are you read it? Well, let me do my version of the story. Okay. So, in a story that is apparently sad but true, Metallica lead singer James Hetfield is no longer the master of puppets in the Bay Area. After a load and reload of his personal belongings, he rode the lightning to Vail, Colorado, and left those elitist no-cal residents unforgiven. Thank you. Oh, God. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. That was awesome. Uh, did you write that? I did. Okay, that was really good. <laughs> I hope you guys liked all the little... That was very... I don't know. Punny, I guess, is the word that punny? you would use. Sure. Punny, but, sure. Yeah. <sighs> One yeah. more thing. One more thing. Yeah. One more so- thing. One last funny thing, which will lead us into a certain thing we also like to do. Uh, apparently we read a story today that John Williams, our f- most favorite revered composer of films ever that has written the soundtrack to my life has apparently never seen a star Wars movie from start to finish, which I can't believe, but this is him. He was quoted as saying he writes the score. He sees like parts of it while he's doing it. And then he just moves on to the next project. Yeah. That's shocking to me. <laughs> I, 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 wow. We'll have to talk to Matt. In Evans 83, about, whatever the last 40 years, you've not seen a star Wars movie. That's what apparently is. There's, there's eight of read, them. Now. He is quoted as saying this in some British article that we read. I, I would like to not believe that this is true, but if it is, <laughs> Wow. But here's he, he who's all like, well, I you know uh, Mozart and Bach are more like the music that I listen to, not like the. And it's like, okay, great, you're a genius. D- don't tell me you haven't seen Star Wars. You're ruining my life. Yes. But now we will go to a certain portion to end 2016 with the lightning round. All right. I know I can name a billion. How many John Williams scores can you name? Go. Uh the obvious ones are well, do we individual Star sure, Wars movies? Sure, so that's- ep- episode. A New Hope, yep. Empire Strikes Back, yep. Turn of the Jedi, yep. uh, Phantom Menace, yep. uh, Attack of the Clones, yep. Revenge of the Sith, yep. Force Awakens, yep. uh, Jaws, yep. Indiana Jones, yep. Close Encounters, yep. E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark. You just said Indiana Jones. So you can do oh, <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark, well, Temple cheating. of Doom, okay, Last we'll Crusade, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We don't like to talk about that movie. Schindler's <laughs> List, any Spielberg movie that's ever been made ever, right. always. Uh, Memoirs of a Geisha, uh, Duel, uh, Sugarland Express, wow. uh, Empire of the Sun. Uh, what else? Uh, Color- don't tell me that that guy is not on the same level as Bach and Beethoven in and Mozart mind, at this point. He, in my mind, he absolutely is, but there you go. The man has written the soundtrack to all of our lives. So yes. if he hasn't seen a Star Wars movie, he should probably he's, he's 83 he's got to get out there and watch these things you better hurry up <laughs> yeah come on john we just saw your concert in a couple months ago dude right go it, see these movies yeah. they're good and he says he's coming back to write episode well, they were playing right up above him when he was conducting. I know, I know. but that's pieces i guess he hasn't watched them start to finish but he said at that concert he was like well i, I, I was not going to do the score for episode eight but i'm going to do the score for episode eight because i don't want anybody else writing the music for ray because i really like that character well, wait a minute how can you like that character you never saw the movie john williams yeah lo- come on dude <laughs> come on bullshit. dude oh we still love him oh yeah love you john williams that one's gonna hurt when uh when we finally lose oh, him that yes, is gonna be yes, um like you said the soundtrack to our life and i know a lot of you listen to probably a lot of soundtracks as well i listen to a lot of those uh it's 
it is the story of our life. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, and this all, year. Uh, this Is it this year? We're going to do another one next week, right? Yeah, but that's 2017. Oh, that is. Okay. So we're not stopping, right? Just because no, no, it's no, a new no, year. No, okay, no. good. That's, that's we're going to keep going. <laughs> I hope so. I was planning oh, on being here. Are you still going to live here? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that's going to do it for us this week, guys. Uh, as always, my name is Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And you can find me, Andy Nelson, at Andy Nelson76 on Twitter. I will be ringing in the new year with your good friend, Nick Howell, mm. at a Los Angeles Kings game on New Year's Eve. Yes, so sir. let's ring in the new year together. Yes, sir. It's been fun as usual, my friend. We will see you guys on the flip side. Later. Bye. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.